awesome in this place Mighty God once again You are awesome in this place Mighty God You are awesome in this place Worthy of all praise To you our lives we raise You are awesome in this place If he's here, you have needs, desires, requests, I do. If we can believe his word, cannot we believe he's able to do them? Amen. Respond to us, give us that which we have need of. Even if a person would be streaming tonight, or maybe they go back tomorrow and you're the service, wouldn't even able because of the different time change in Norway or South Africa, whatever. But his presence was so real where they were. And they believed what they heard. His presence can come right there to where they are. If he could do that long distance, can he do it here? Oh, I'm so glad we're serving a wonderful God. I was telling a minister friend of mine the other day. He was sending me words of encouragement and things like that, you know. And I told him, I said, well, I've been serving the Lord Jesus for over 52 years. 52 years. He has never one time ever failed me. Now, I failed him a bunch and bunch of times. Y'all have too, ain't you? But never one time. Now, there's been times I misunderstood. There's been times I've looked at this and wondered about this and wondered about that and tried to figure it out. But always whenever I sort through this hard head of mine and your hard head, then we realize... He was right. And I was... Say it with me. Wrong. Oh, that hurts us, don't it? Oh, my goodness. The Godship that we all love about ourselves it's so hard for us to admit that we are wrong. You sorry, low-down outfit, you're wrong most of the time. Ain't that the truth? If it wasn't for the grace of God... That wouldn't be nobody in heaven. But he's determined to save us despite ourselves. Amen. Well, it's such a privilege for us to be able to be here tonight. Let's turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 14. Trust you're doing well during troublesome times, and God's keeping you by his grace. And are you, You're in love with Jesus more than you've ever been before. How I many needs him now more than ever before? For sure. Every day of our lives. I love these scriptures. I hope you're not getting tired of hearing them. To me, they're so wonderful. I get something a little more inside out of them each time that I read them. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession or confession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in a point or two 
in all points. Say it with me. In all points. In all points. Anger, frustration. Did Jesus get mad? No, he felt it. Scripture tells us he planted whips and drove the people out. Not like our human anger. Did he feel depression and sadness and sorrow? Yes, he did. He felt all of that. Felt weary, downtrodden, sick, afflicted, worn out, betrayed. Felt all of that. In all points, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we, amen, may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I mean, he has a need, a request, a desire in your heart tonight. Let's just hold it there if you would. Thank you for remembering Erica. She had several tests this week, got several more that are coming up, still waiting on results. She really needs a touch from the Lord tonight. She's really weak and just uh, worn out. How many believes the Lord can go to her right now as we pray? Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads as a sign of submission and humility, Lord God, you saw the hundreds of hands that were uplifted in this building. This, no doubt, is a small number compared to those that are streaming. Lord, it would, it would be beyond what our minds could comprehend, the depth and the variety and the variegated request of your children that would be holding on their hearts right now. Some that would be so heavy that they wouldn't know what to do. Some, Lord, that may be even life-threatening. Some, Father, that if you don't move, they may not have a place to live by the end of the week. May not have a car to drive, food to eat. They may not even be alive. But, Lord Jesus, whether our request is so large that it's overwhelming by its size, or if it's so small that we would feel insignificant to mention it. All our needs, our requests, and our desires, we bring them before you tonight. Not only as our God, but as our great high priest, but also in a very intimate position which has been granted to us as your people. And that is as our husband. So we bring our needs, our desires, our petitions to our husband. We ask you tonight, Father, that you would help us. Those that are sick and afflicted. Lord, this prayer cloth, this handkerchief I want to preach with tonight. Father, for Sister Brenda Harmon, you see the needs in her body facing surgery this week. I'm asking you, Lord, that you'd move for her. Father, I pray the Spirit of God would go to Erica tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, while she's streaming the service, may the presence of God, the Holy Ghost, just go to her right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Father, you see she's not been able to eat very much at all this week, and one test after another after another just left her so weak. But, Father, we agree together on the promise of your word. And we say to the devil's face, 
He is a liar. And he is defeated. And Christ is victorious. And we are enjoying the victory of our Lord. Father, we ask that you'd take the service tonight. Help me, Lord God, to give what I am, who I am, to your cause, your purpose. Speak through me tonight, Lord God, to the needs of your people. I ask it, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Let me read this to you tonight. It's, it's quite profound, the content of it. Brother Bram says, remember to God, you're more than the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus gave his blood for you. You are the purchase of his blood. I'm sure every one of us here tonight, we believe that, don't we? We believe it intellectually, mentally. We have a, a conception of that. Everything that we see in this building tonight, every shirt that every brother has on, every pair of shoes, every tie, every pair of glasses, every watch, every purse, this carpet, this oak lumber, these trees, this rolling keyboard, Hammond piano, Fender guitar, amplifiers, speakers, lights, computers, iPads, Gatorade. It's all based on the transfer of a price. Now, whenever we go to buy something, a suit, a dress, a belt, a tie, the reason, the main reason that all of us tonight, that our parking lot is not filled with Lamborghinis. Some of you can't even say it. You wouldn't want to drive a car you couldn't pronounce. But the bottom line of the reason is what? Cost. Now, for some of you, you might prefer a car that would have all the buttons and whistles, as we say. Power door locks, power trunk, remote this, remote that, talks to you, backs you up, cuddles you when you're tired, massages you when you're going down the road. But the main difference is what? The bottom line on that window sticker. So it might be another 15,000, another 20, another 25, but it's not in your budget. So you say, who needs automatic door locks? Who needs air conditioner? In these 90 degree days, all of us do. Who needs power steering? <laughs> I don't need all that. So what is it all about? It's about value. It's about money. So when I ran across this suit at a black men's store, which is where I buy most of my suits, down in South Carolina, uh, about $119. And I looked at that suit and I asked Carol, I don't have one like this, do I? She said, I don't believe you do. Try that coat on. So I tried the coat on and she said, looks good. So what I did was I made the choice between my money 
and the suit. Now, I don't mind telling you, I think I got a good deal. I made that choice that day in that men's suit store. I've not regretted that choice over a year ago when I bought this suit. Now, I needed a shirt that would be able to match it. So you know what I've done? Exactly the same thing. So I valued this blue shirt that would go with this suit and other suits that I wear more than I valued the money that it would cost me to pay $16, $17, whatever it cost. Now, I also need handkerchiefs to be able to wipe my wet face. So I look at TJ Maxx and they've got them for four for eight dollars. I buy them at Ross because sometimes you can buy six for eight dollars. Now what's the difference? 100% cotton, both of them can be ironed, one of them may have a fancy name, they're just made in different parts of China anyway. I've been there, I know. I bought a $250 suit over in China years ago. $250 what it cost you in America. You know what I paid? $18. Now what was the difference? Because I was where it was made. So I gobbled up several of them, as many as I could get. Why? Value and cost. But whenever I go to other places to where that I can't eat their food, you know what I do? I don't take many clothes. I take more trail mix. Maybe you can eat suits. I have a hard time digesting them. So the value to me is worth more than having something that I can eat than being able to have a change of clothes every day. So our entire life is based upon the values and exchange of script. Your time that you devote to Facebook that you devote to frivolous, foolish things sometimes. And you give up prayer time. You give up tape time. You give up reading your Bible time. Now why do you do that? You do that because to you, giving that time on Facebook is more important than prayer. Oh my goodness. Y'all forgot your amen or at home. Oh, wow. Now, how is this going to work in church tonight? Because here I come with a word, prepared to preach the word, and you all left your amener at the house. Well, preach it, Brother Donnie. I'll take that one. All right. Now, whenever we look at basically everything we do, now does God expect us all to sit around and just read our Bible and pray and never to have any leisure time or time of relaxation? We know better than that. God does not expect that. God does not expect laity to spend as much time in the Word as preachers. For a lot of you, it would drive you crazy to do such. But all of us need to find that balance of everything that we do in our life. So whenever we give up time to pray, we're going to give that time to something else. So we are bartering 
or exchanging our time for certain things. And then we have to determine the value. Okay, so what am I going to get out of that? If I, now I could, I could listen to a tape for 30 to 45 minutes, or I could get on Facebook for 45 minutes, or I, I could get on Pinterest, or I could get on this or that or the other, and I could just spend an hour on there, and which of them would bring me the greatest return? Now, if I get on Pinterest and I spend, you know, an hour on there and I'm looking at this recipe and that recipe and that recipe, and maybe you need a good recipe. Or you could give up some of that time and think, you know what, instead of doing that, I, I think I'm going to start through my Bible again, reading my Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So instead of giving all of this free time to Pinterest or eBay or whatever more, all this social stuff that's around us every day, I think I will divide that time. And I'm going to give more of that time uh, to reading in the book of Genesis and been able to read a little bit more about the Word to make me a better believer. Now, I'm going to tell you which will give you the most benefit before you ever start doing it. It'll be reading the Word. That's right. But yet, as humans, we make those choices every day of our life. Now, the Lord Jesus had to make this choice himself. Now, remember, he was not a man in his pre-existent state in heaven. God did not have a permanent flesh body before Jesus became material on the earth. But God would reveal himself in a tangible form and then he would step out of that form. As he did a bush or he did a cloud or he did a rock or whatever more. So God would take on that visibility and then return into the realm of invisibility. But once he became into the body of the Lord Jesus, he would retain in that form and that image forever. But there is still cost and value that is involved. Now, the Lord Jesus is not going to be able to come to the earth and pay the price of your redemption, redeem you back into the presence of God, make you sinless, perfect, holy, righteous, pure, undefiled, make you bride, make you absolutely the wife of the virtuous, sinless Son of God. It's totally impossible for him to do that without a price being paid. Now, if you and I were faced with such a challenge, what would we choose to do? Many choose, even in this day, to not serve the Lord with all of their heart. Because the way they look at it, the Lord just requires too much stuff of them. Got to read your Bible, you got to pray, can't do this, can't go there, do this, that, the other. So they look at all that and say, no, 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 that, that's not for me. Now, you're not going to convince me that there's not people in this area that know that Happy Valley Church is different than a lot of other churches in this area. Because when they really get in trouble and in distress, do they send in prayer requests to a lot of these churches where God is not showing up on Sunday? Or do they ask you, that they work with. You people that they snigger at and laugh at and make fun of because of the way you dress or the doctrines that you believe. But yet when they really get in distress and despair, who is it that they send in prayer requests for? Well, they know there is a difference or they would not do that. 
And yet at the same time, why would not they come here and be a part of this church? Well, for some of them that have to give up wearing this or dressing like that or doing this or that or the other, I've heard those things over the years. And I really feel sorry for people like that because that those words will meet them at the day of judgment. So basically, they would rather retain their money, as it were, their script or their exchange. They would rather maintain, you know, their status and their social standing. They would rather maintain people not laughing at them, making fun of them. They would rather do that than come to a church where the Spirit of God is moving, where the power of God is present, and yet where the Word is preached sometimes. And well, let's just be honest, you get tore limb from limb and you get the high tore off your back and you, you kind of gather the pieces and go out and come back in the next time smiling ready for more you know but there is a trade off with doing that now you know I'm the type of preacher that probably I, I study overkill I apply overkill everything that I do pretty much is that way so I, I more than likely could get by with studying a lot less than what I do for a sermon I may study 5,000 quotes I may study six or seven hundred or even more scriptures pertaining to one subject that I'm going to study. I could get by with a lot less. I could probably study five or six and throw a little quick sermonette together and microwave it at and feed it to a bunch of churchette people. But I would rather to be able to study it with all of my heart, apply it with everything that's in me. And if I come with too much, well, so what? We got church tomorrow, we'll do another part. But I would rather be able to give it all because I know everything I do for him. Every hour that I study, he actually keeps a record of it. So to me, my time, well, I could do this and I could do that and I could spend more time with my family and I could probably wind up doing this and that and the other. Would it knock me out of going to heaven? Nope. Would it send me to hell? It would not. But I just want to be so prepared, my spirit so filled with scriptures and quotes that I give the Holy Ghost so much to anoint me with that he has plenty of ammunition whenever I stand up here. But the whole thing of our life is all about cost and value. And we look at it and say, well, you know what? I, I really don't think it's worth it. So when you go to buy a car, when you go to buy a dress, when you go to buy a house, when you go to buy a carpet, when you go to buy a speaker, whatever it is, you're going to buy a new set of tires uh, for your car or for your truck or whatever more, how much is it? Well, the good year is so-and-so. BF Goodrich is so-and-so. Now, if you want the top of the line, we've got the, oh my, we've got these Michelin right here. 45,000 mile tires and for another $25 a piece we'll give you a road hazard and want you how much more are there? It'd be $332 more on the set. Well that's absolute highway robbery. You think I'm going to pay such a thing for that? Now why are you doing that skin flip? Because you're thinking of how much money that you're going to have to pay out. Now, is it a better tar? Who knows? You go reviews. Some of them say they are. Some of them say they ain't. But the bottom line for you is not really going to be the reviews. It's going to be how much different. Now, if you could buy, you know, a Yokohama or whatever more from over in Toyo, Japan, whatever they're made at, and you could buy them for, let's we'll say, a set for $323. And you could also buy a roadhouse covered Michelin 80,000 mile tire and we'll let you have them for 50 cents more. 
Y'all going to sit there and look at me and try to tell me you're going to buy Yomo Hoto? When you got a 5,000 mile warranty on them tires and you don't have a road hazard and nothing else and you're going to sit there and act like you got a figure. Now wait a minute, 23 cents more per tire. I don't know if that's worth that or not. I'm really out there. Come on, quit acting like an idiot. Go ahead and buy them. You know you want them. But what is it that separates what we have versus what we would like to have? What is it that separates what we have versus what we wish we had? It's all about cost and value. And for most of us, we live within some sort of budget. So we only make so much money. And there's only so much that we can buy. And we're able, you know, hopefully if we figure a little bit about mass, we sit down and figure out, well, we make X amount of dollars, we got so much for insurance, so much for this, so much for that, so we've only got so much room to be able to make a car payment, so much to make this payment or that payment. If it was not for that rule, everything about our life would totally change. Many of you would not live in the house you live in. You would live in something totally different. You would not wear the clothes that you wear, but why do you wear them? It's because of cost and value. So here we have a prophet of God making a profound statement like this. Remember to God. Now remember, we're not talking about the high priest, the one who is in the mediatorial position who's standing on your behalf against you and the eternal. But we're talking about the eternal himself. Remember to God, you're more than the blood of Jesus. Now I believe that but I need help believing it in a much greater way. Amen. Now, if I had in this bottle tonight instead of a bottle of Gatorade and it was just a few drops of the blood of the Lord Jesus, oh my, how I would, how I would honor that and how I would watch it. And, and if you saw that I was about to trip and, and fall, y'all would sit there and gasp and because you would honor the blood of the Lord Jesus so much you would not want me to spill that blood even on this carpet or on the, the pavement on the outside. But there again, it comes to cost and value. That the way he looked at having a bride, having a wife church, to him he looked at the cost, which was the greatest cost that anyone could ever pay. Not just to become a mortal, but to become a sinner. Now remember, he never sinned, it was not that he did anything wrong. He was the created word. That's what made him totally, completely sinless. And he remained that way his entire life. But he was not just going to become a sin upon him, but actually a sinner. Uh, the scripture tells us in Corinthians, for he who knew no sin become our sin that we might become the very righteousness of God in him. Demonology part two, paragraph 199. The prophet said, now think of how that God sent him to hell because of his sins. Now this is part of the price 
But yet he looked at the price that was on you. Now here was this price tag that was on every redeemable attribute of God. And the cost was so high and so expensive that an angel, a cherubim, a seraphim, a zoom, no, no angelic host could ever pay such a price. No prophet, no priest, no king. Actually, there was no one in heaven could pay this price. God himself in the form of eternal spirit could not pay this price. So the price required must work out a deal between deity and humanity. Since deity cannot die. Deity cannot feel pain. Deity cannot pay the debt for another mortal. So deity through an act of kenosis and condescension would create an act, oh glory to God, an act of the Logos becoming into a tangible form. Now by doing that, it would condescend and step beneath what he was in the realm of eternity. For what? Purchase price. Now I've been in different parts of the world and whenever I go, I generally... try to check out the currency situation. Sometimes I will take money to be able to give to the brothers while I'm there because of their needs and things. And I will go to different websites of, of the United States and find out where their embassy is. It's important to know where the embassy is if you ever need it. And they will have tips there on travelers, you know, if they're, they're citizens that are coming to Uganda or Kenya or Tanzania or whatever more. And they will tell you what money to bring. Now, years and years ago, one of the means by which travelers would be able to take money along with them was, it was American Express traveler's checks. But now, you can't even find those anymore. They don't even use them as currency. But it was so much safer than would be a $100 bill. Now, whenever I would take those, I would go to the Carter County Bank, and I would go there and tell them I need $3,000 or I need $5,000, whatever it is, in traverse checks. So they would give me several of them in $100 increments, and then they would give me some in $20 increments and $10 increments. Now they would give them to me, and it would have the Roman centurion symbol on it. It would have the little embedded metal strip there to make sure it was genuine. And then I would have to counter sign that. I would sign it there and then I would leave it blank on the top line and I would make it to whoever I was you know a motel room or whatever more but also my signature would be required again now I would have to sign it in front of the teller there at the bank and then whenever I would go to try to pay a bill with that they would want me to sign it again and see some sort of identification Now, it looked like maybe play money to some people because it didn't look like $5 bills, $100 bills. So I was in Zimbabwe one time and and somebody broke into my room. And they stole a few things that I had there. They stole a few traveler's checks. And they stole some things of great value to me. Chocolate. 
They can have the traveler's checks. They can't spend them no how, but they eat much. <laughs> now, I knew when I came back to the room and I, I noticed things was, was out of cater, and I started looking, and sure enough, I saw that some of my traveler's checks was gone and, and some things was gone. I was not worried about it because I had the receipt. So I knew that when I got back home, that they would actually make that good because that individual, there's no way for that person to be able to do it. And it was a person that lived, worked there and lived there in the place wherever I was at, and they cleaned the room. So they found them and, and fired them, so they lost their job because of it. But it done them no good at all because they would have went and tried to sign Donnie Reagan Well, they did not have the identification to prove who they were. So even though it was worse $100 to me, $50 to me, $20 to me, to that individual, it was totally, completely worthless. Because they did not have the authority to be able to cash in, you all understand where I'm going, to make it good. Now to me, it had value because I was the one who went there and made the arrangements, but the value was not glory to God. The value was not just on the paper, but the value was associated with my identity. And without my identity on there and a proof of who was really signing that, it was totally worthless. It's the same with the promises of God. People try to claim the promises for this and that and the other, but you see there's some whose identity, the scriptures are more than just dry dead letter words. They are who they are. And it's part of their identity. So when they need healing, they're claiming part of the covenant promise. When they need deliverance, they're claiming part of the covenant promise of who they are. Now the Lord Jesus looks at this in this pre-incarnate state. Now remember the eternal wanted to condescend to become a human being. So he must change himself. It's not two gods, not three gods, not multiple gods, but it's the one God changing from the realm of invisibility to becoming visible. Now Paul tells us that of course in Colossians that he was the image of the invisible God. So God must become in an exchange format. I don't understand too much about it, but uh, Scott, my son-in-law, has explained a little bit to me about it, about this Bitcoin stuff that's used on the internet. And it's a change of, you know, of, of money sort of thing. As I said, I don't understand too much about it. But criminals are able to, say, take John, Johnson City or Elizabethan, and they're able to hack into their website. Or they can do a hospital, they can do all kinds of different businesses and establishments. And they can actually hijack their, their database. And they will contact them and say, we have your database, we have your information, Johnson City Public Works, or Elizabethan, or you know, the Med Center, whoever it is. And we've got this, we will not allow you access until you give us how much ever money that they want. But they don't want just $100 bills because they know they can trace them. So they use this currency or this exchange, which is now being commonly used through the Bitcoin. Now, to most of us, we're not even really that familiar with it, but to those who are in the know, it is a way by which you're able to get something 
and purchase something or something be given to you and it cannot be traced back. Well, you see, redemption in one way is very similar. The Lord Jesus explained it in Matthew 13 when he used the word mysteries. Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of God. Now the Greek word that he actually used there is mysterion. The word mysterion is something that is illuminated only to those that are in the initiation. So they are initiated into what the world would call a secret society. And once you're in there, you talk things and hear things and understand things that other people just simply don't understand. Now when we look at the purchase of redemption, now Lord, notice this again, he said, remember to God you're more than the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus gave his blood for you. So get in your mind now that you walk up on a car lot, uh, you need an automobile, your other one's just about worn out, and you, you come to terms with the, uh, the salesman, okay, we'll give you 5,000 trade in, and we've got this one here, 2.9% interest, and your payments will be so-and-so, and let's check your credit score. And you go through all this stuff, and you're making the arrangements, and you're sitting there, and finally, you, you come to an agreement. And then they go to printing out all the documents and you say, all right, do you want to make the trades? You want to deal? Yeah, I, I knew it. We, we want to do it. We need this vehicle. So you are now in the process of making an exchange. And you are going to exchange. Now, you may not have the visible cash there before you because you're going to borrow the money from GMAC or from Ford Motor Credit or whoever more. So you will actually never even see the money itself. All you're going to do is write them a down payment or maybe you know, $1,000 to hold it while you go home and talk to your wife and decide if that's what you want to do. But you will never even see the money exchanged. Whether it's $5, 50000 or 500000 You will never go to the branch in, in Pinecrest or you'll never go to the bank in Atlanta. All you see is the paperwork. Glory to God. You are reading words and you agree to those words and you are trusting that bank. You are trusting that salesman. You are trusting that there will be an action between the bank and this, you know, this Ford company or whoever you buy this vehicle from because you never actually see the money yourself. But you, by faith, believe that it has happened and you walk out of there with them keys in your hand grinning like a possum for a while anyway until your first payment comes in now as I said you never saw the money exchanged you never saw the people you know the guy that owned the, uh, the, the Cadillac place or the Chevy place you never saw him you never saw the people from the bank making the transaction all you saw were words and forms and letters and documents that you signed. And any of you that's ever bought a car or a house, you feel like your hand's gonna fall off your arm. Here, another document. This is this is stating your head the hip. You know, this is stating this and right here and sign there saying, Lord have mercy. I didn't want to buy the place, I just wanted to buy an automobile. 
Yeah, the things you've got to go through. Now this that says that we have a right to do this and that. And we can disclose the odometer. And you, you want my weight, my blood pressure? You want what I ate for breakfast? I mean, all you've got to go through. And yet you are trusting them people. I wish somebody would hear me preach tonight. Oh my goodness, friends, you and I have never seen the blood of the Lord Jesus. I have never seen the body of the high priest as it sits upon the throne of God, but I have read the documents and I believe what the documents said and I accept what the documents said by faith and I say it is mine. I did not see them beat him on his back. I did not see them whip him, but I still read the document of 1 Peter that tells me by his stripes I am already healed by the time therefore I accept it notice this if I had two drops of the literal blood of Jesus in a glass how I would hold it to my heart and weep, stand there watching that I didn't stumble to spill it as I walked with it to wherever I destined to go with it. How I would watch every step that I didn't stumble, placing my feet just where they should be. I thought how I would hold those two drops of blood, but you know, in the sight of God tonight, Setting before me is a greater thing to him than his own blood. Praise God. Was that shirt of more value than your money? If you bought it, your daddy may have bought it, I don't know. Was the shoes more value than your money? Was the dress sisters more value than your money? So the dress was more than your money. So you are more than his blood. Not only than his blood, but in reality, you are more to himself than he was to himself. Now we'll get into a true husband. Watch this sitting before me is a greater thing to him than his own blood because it's the purchase of his blood. He shed his blood for you and here I hold you listening tonight of the gospel. Now listen to this. Then how close I must to tell you exactly the truth because God will make me answer for it at the day of judgment more than if I had took the blood that literal blood and threw it on the ground. Just from a standpoint of reasoning, this is one thing I just totally, totally miss. Of those who leave this message and those who become an enemy to this truth and turn their back on this word and call Brother Branham a liar, a devil, a false prophet, an actor, We are talking about a man 
who has stood before angels, demons, and described them as being hideous. We're talking about a man that said when he would cast out those devils that they would come into his motel room by the same actor and leave the meeting and they would rub their flesh against his flesh and he would hear chains and all this demonic work after he would cast them out. We're talking about a man that as a young boy went down into hell and saw the regions of the lost. Now most of us have seen none of the above. So we're talking about a man that experienced all of that and he would experience all of that and still want to go there? You're out of your mind. We're talking about a man that every time the angel of the Lord would come into his presence would terrify him and leave him shaking and trembling. You've heard those who were eyewitnesses of it and sat there and watched him as I just saw a little clip of Brother Busco telling some time ago about how Brother Branham would turn ashen white and his lips would change colors sitting there at that presence. And you mean that same man is going to intentionally stand in the pulpit and lie? Stand in the pulpit and fabricate tales knowing he's going to send his soul to hell? You and I have only read about demons. We've only read and heard stories about demons. Most of us. Well, a few of us may have. But the most of us have never even seen them. We're talking about a man that dealt with them every day of his life and was terrified as a man. And he would want to do that intentionally? I say no. This is his heart right here then how close I must be to tell you exactly the truth. Because God will make me answer for it at the day of judgment more than if I took the blood, the literal blood, and threw it on the ground. It would be a greater penalty to mislead the people. The purchase of His blood than it would be to throw the blood from the charger than I had it in. This is what I hear when I play the tapes. You see, those who hear a deceiver don't have the Holy Ghost. Those who hear a man trying to fabricate tales and tell lies just ain't born again. That's the bottom line. Because devils knew he was a prophet of God and yet they call him a false prophet. So it shows the devils have got more sense than they do. Well, praise the Lord, Brother Donnie. May I bring it down in way, 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 way weaker than anything a prophet of God would have to stand and answer for. But I feel exactly the same way standing before the purchase of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Whether I stand in Africa as I have and preach to the thousands, or whether I stand in China and little small motel rooms and preach to 25 or 30, or under a big tree in Kenya as I was there several years ago and received an email just a month or two ago that Brother Jim had, had, had sent to me of a young man at that time. You've heard me talk about that meeting that day in Nairobi and the, the, outside of Nairobi. And when we was there at that meeting, 
And a brother that was the interpreter for me as we preached under that big large tree. And his son had malaria. And of course, you know, it was incurable as far as medically. But after we got done preaching, he told me about the need of his son and asked me to pray for him. I got a testimony just a few weeks ago from this, which is no longer just a little boy, but now a young man, married man with a family and so on. And I'm not sure why he waited all this time to share the testimony. He said he wanted to share it. That when that prayer was made, hallelujah, the fever left him of malaria. And he's not had one symptom of it since. Now, if we are liars, deceivers, false prophets, and these folks who have left the message are the truth bearers, then I call for them to bring their rod and swallow mine. Well, you're a false anointed one. Well, bring your rod and let it swallow ours. I'm not interested in words. I'm interested in demonstration as well. Well, praise the Lord, saints. Come on now, don't get quiet. Don't get scared, everybody. To me, the responsibility of standing before the bride of Christ is the most awesome thing a person could ever do then why would I or other message ministers intentionally want to lead people to hell? Notice this in question and answers. The prophet says it this way. He really loves you more than he loved himself. You're the purchase of his blood. And I handle it just as careful and sincere as I know how. Now why? You saints here that come to Happy Valley, I, I'm not your husband. I'm not your Lord. I'm not the one that purchased you. Brother Branham never died for you. Paul never died for you. You are the purchase of the blood of the Lord Jesus. You're not my wife. You're the wife of God. And he looked at you and looked at himself and said, she's worth more than I am. Notice Hebrews, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So here it was. In reality, it wasn't really for sale because it had so much against it. It wasn't a clear deed. The church was not clear property. There was one lien after another after another. Your mama done this, your daddy done that, your grandpa done this, Adam done that. Abraham done that. Isaac done that. You had so much against you. There's no way you could ever be cleared as far as for anybody to buy you with a clear title. You came with so much debt. But he loved the church more 
that he loved himself, so he gave himself for the church to pay the ransom. You see, it is the duty, parallel this now, it is the duty and the responsibility of a real husband to his wife to toil and to labor to support his wife. Not just financially now, but psychologically, mentally, emotionally, to provide for her needs, to even deny himself of rest and pleasure. Brother Eric, can we make that amen tape after service tonight? And if necessary, to give his life for her. Actually, to defend her. Let's say it this way. That if a man and his wife were in a shipwreck, and there was only one plank and two people, and the plank would not support them both, a real husband would let his wife have the plank and drowned. Now, a selfish man does not think that way. He thinks about himself. This is why he commits adultery against her. This is why he hides things in his life against her. This is why he don't love her right, because he's selfish. Amen, Brother Donnie. Even the sisters ain't saying amen now. I can understand the single ones, but my goodness, I'd have thought you married ones would at least batted your eyes or nodded your head or something. You see, a true husband would go before his wife in danger, in harm, in sickness, in disease, and take a bullet, as we say, for her. Why? Because if he's a Christian filled with the Holy Ghost, this is what Christ Jesus did. Now, a man that's not converted, you can expect him, you know, to drop along the way. But some, some men that are not even born again have such a great profound love for their wives. There's men that's not even Christians already that would do this. So it shouldn't be asking too much for a child of God to be able to do it, should it? So a man would actually be willing to do whatever was necessary to secure his wife's spiritual position in the gospel, to keep her from harm. To keep her, he would never do anything intentionally to hazard her life. He would never do anything that would try to inflict pain, sorrow, suffering, or difficulty on her. Or neither would he do anything to try to hinder her from going to church, keeping her from the presence of God, keeping her from the word of God. Amen, Brother Donnie. He would never want to do anything to throw obstacles in her way that would hinder her walk with God. Why? Because he is mirroring Christ Jesus. Or you say, I'm not sure that I want to get married then. I would advise you not to. Any of you young brothers here that ain't married, if that ain't your idea of a wife, don't put a woman through hell. Stay single. Because if this is not your epitome of your idea of marriage, then you don't have an understanding of what marriage is all about. Well, I wanted to get married because I want that woman to do this for me and that for me and that for me and that for me. Yeah, you're the kind I have to talk to all the time in the office. Well, when COVID ain't going on anyhow. Well, hallelujah. 
Well, I know a lot of times folk think the message of the hour really cuts down on women, but I'll tell you one thing, in my years of experience, it ain't a lot of times the women that cause the problems. It's a bunch of sorry, rotten men that ain't full of the Holy Ghost and won't accept their responsibility in the home. They won't be the right kind of priest. They won't lead the home and the spiritual thing. Amen, Brother Donnie preached. But if we could get some men around this message that would get filled with the Holy Ghost and place their wives where they need to be, oh, but Brother Donnie, my goodness, if I make her the queen of the home, what in the world you reckon she'll ask for? There ain't no telling. There is no telling. What in the world? That's why you need to pray through and get the right one. Well, I got the wrong one. That's your problem, buddy, not mine. You see, if the husband has the spirit of the Savior, he lives, he thinks, he works in the realm of self-denial. Now this is the kind of man that makes an absolute excellent father as well. He's the kind of man that boys can be able to look to and want to be like him. Daughters can be able to look to and compare a boyfriend to daddy. Amen. Now they say, if you don't beat up to daddy's standards, I don't need you, old boy. Because I've seen the way my daddy treated my mama and I want to be treated the same way. I want to be treated like a queen. I want, to be, I want the door open for me, not just when we go on dates, but when he's 85 and I'm 83. I still want chocolates. If you like chocolate, I'll still want flowers every now and then. I want him to tell me, boy, whenever I've gained a few pounds and I can't wear the size six dress I used to, I want him to put his arms around me, what is least as far as he can reach, and tell me he still loves me with all of his heart, and he would make that, oh my goodness. I guess we better go. I've ruined everything now, ain't I want him to look at me when we both get old and we've got false teeth and he can't see and I can't see neither. I want him to look at me and say, honey, I love you so much, I'd marry you all over again. Well, I'll tell you one thing. That's the way the Lord Jesus looks at his bride. But he don't look at it because we're so good and because we're so sweet. He looks at that through his own merits of his own grace and his own mercy. That's the way he looks at you and says, you are worth more to me than my own blood, my own life, my own existence. I gave my pre-incarnate condition. I sacrificed. I kenosis myself for you, sweetheart. Because I loved you. Let me read this and we'll close. I deem it a great honor to stand with God's heritage. I've often wondered what I would do if I had a few drops of the literal blood of the Lord Jesus in a charger. I would pack it in my hand. I just wonder what I'd do with it. Brother Jeffries was that literal blood of the Lord Jesus and I thought how I would hold it and cherish it with my own life not to spill or destroy it in any way but do you know in his sight and this is the thing in his sight I'm not sure unless it'll just be momentarily before the body change that it may strike the bride for a little while before that may be a part of the pulsation of faith that helps her see who she is. That we'll ever be able to see it like he does. In his side, I have a greater than the blood of the Lord Jesus in my care tonight. That's the purchase of his blood. You, that he gave his blood, that you could be his. 
And therefore, he will cherish you more than he does his own life. His own blood is because he gave his life to save you. And so then, and when we meet each other and come into his presence for worship, we should come with just that very feeling of his great August presence that we can worship and love each other. And how will I serve the Lord Jesus? I'll serve him as I serve you. What a greater place we would have here if every one of us had that idea. Instead of what can the church do for me? What can Brother Donnie do for me? Well, I want this and I want that. And I want the church to run this way and I want that. That's not the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ is, what can I do to live for others? Look, friends, we've got plenty of quotes. We've got plenty of false doctrines as well as true doctrines. We've got plenty of memorabilia of the message. To me, the thing we miss the greatest is eternal life. This is why people cannot by nature live for others. They're missing eternal life. They've accepted serpent seed doctrine. They've accepted Malachi 4 doctrine. They've accepted all kinds of doctrines. This message is not a bunch of doctrines. It is telling us of a person, a resurrected Lord Jesus. You love Him with all your heart. Let's, let's stand together. Can I read one more to you? Notice this. As I've often said, if I could only hold one drop of the literal blood of the Lord Jesus in a charger, how I would hold it in my hands and press it to my heart and cry out, Oh, Father, I now hold the blood of the Lord Jesus against my heart. What a thrill and a joy and a blessing it would be for me to hold in a little glass or something, one drop of the blood of the Lord Jesus. But you know, in His sight, I've got greater than that tonight. So some of you are fixing to go out and you'll reach in your pocket, or if your sisters drove to church, you'll reach in your purse, and you'll drag out your keys. And get in your automobile, your truck, your van. Maybe you're still paying payments on that vehicle, and maybe you may be doing it for years. Because you deem that worth more than your money. $100 bills are good. Well, they're hard to walk, ride to Walmart and back. You ever tried to straddle a George Washington? I mean, it is, it, it's so hard. So it all depends upon value and the way you look at it. This is why I've given up years ago on ever trying to make lots transform into Abraham's. I've wasted so much of my time doing that. But it's been several years now that I've come to a realization. All I can do is preach the word. People will hear it. They'll fall into it categorically with their capacity to hear and live and apply what they can. It's up to us to preach the word and let God do the sorting out. Right? 
let God do the sorting. We just do what I, I, I'm just for myself. I'm just glad I am where I am. Praise God. Oh, Brother Donnie, you've been robbed of so much. Have I? Well, you've, you've never really had fun. Are you sure? I don't think you know much about my life. I've seen cross eyes straightened out after prayer. A woman could have come through the prayer line down in Kentucky years ago, and I was still in Pentecost when this happened. Her brother was in the hospital, didn't expect him to make it till after church that night. Cancer in his skull, in his brain, in his skull. The skull bone was gone. His head was soft like a rotten mushmelon. She stood in the prayer line for him, took my handkerchief, went to the hospital, put it on him. The next morning he walked out with a brand new brain and a new skull. And you tell me I've not had an exciting life. I walked into the med center right over here. People in the middle of heart attacks and offer prayer and watch God stop it in the middle of it. And not one symptom of it ever show up on the EKG. I got plenty more stories when you want to hear them. Not because I can do anything. Not because I can do anything. Not because you can do anything. We just take him at his word. He agreed that we could do this. I just said, well, why shouldn't I then? I said, sign here, daughter. Praise God. These signs shall follow them that believe. I'm a believer, so here they go. Do you believe it, saints? It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Praise God. Why? He purchased it. He paid for it. And why shouldn't I enjoy it? Jesus said he'd come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. Can we bow our heads together? Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I want you to think about something tonight, friends. If you mean that much to the Lord Jesus... Does it make any sense to you he would pay that tremendous price? Purchase you, redeem you, make you his. And then treat you like trash. Like you're just a piece of garbage or you're a piece of junk. You see, to me, some of you may wonder, how in the world is Brother Donnie face the things he goes through? How does he go through it and not break? Well, I'm going to share a secret with you tonight. This is one of my secrets as an individual. This is the way I face the things that I face, and I've faced for years and decades of my life. Whenever you go through hard times and you just don't understand where you are, I always come back, Lord, you purchased me, you bought me. I don't believe I'm a piece of junk. I don't believe I'm a piece of trash. So if you're allowing me to go through something, it's for my good then you're not treating me like a piece of junk. You're treating me like a purchased possession. It's just my understanding isn't fruitful of where I am. Help me, Lord. How many has ever been there in your life? And you thought, Lord, where are you? 
Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? Lord, am, am I of no value? Oh, no. You're of such value to him. My son-in-law, Scott, had sent me a, a little sermon clip the other day of David Wilkerson preaching. He's an Assembly of God guy. passed on now. But his wife had cancer. Two of his daughters had cancer. Going through a lot of different things in his life. And he said he went to God in prayer. He said, God, man, you need to talk. I just don't understand. And he said, the Lord said to him, he was coming from the hospital. His wife just getting out, having chemo and having surgery and different kinds of things. And they call him on the phone when they're driving down the road, telling him that his other daughter had just been diagnosed with cancer. So God asked him the question. How many fathers does your daughter call her name? How many fathers does she have? He said, two, Lord. You and me. And he said, which one loves her the most? He said, you. He said, which one has the power to be able to do the great things for her? He said, you. So I kind of took that about me and Erica and Papa. So I told him one day this week, I said, Lord, Erica's got two daddies. This daddy's heart is breaking. This daddy's heart is feeling in a way that it's never felt before. Lord, this daddy would probably take it off of her, maybe mess things up in too quick a way. I'm believing he's going to do that. So, Lord, the only thing I know to do from a father perspective is as her earthly father, I commit her to you as her heavenly father. I know that you know best. Maybe tonight you've got a wayward boy or a wayward girl. You may have to come to that spot where you say, Lord, I've done everything I'm going to do. I've tried to raise them in the right way. You see where they are, Lord, they're in terrible shape. You may just have to commit them to God. Take your hands off of them and leave them there. We know how we are as parents. We're fixers. Something tears up, we fix it if we can. If we can't, we replace it. So when big issues and big problems come, as parents, we want to fix it. But sometimes there's things that happen that we just can't fix. It's bigger than us. It's out of our hands. I don't like the feeling when I feel helpless. I don't like the feeling when I can't fix something. The Lord's given me a bunch of abilities to fix this and that and the other. I can fix a lot of things, just natural things in life. But I get scared when I can't fix things. But actually, it's those times that we need to help us, to trust Him. Many of you are fixers. You fix this and you fix that and you fix something else. But if we're not careful, we'll rely on our fixing ability. We just have to commit it to God. The great fixer. Praise God. No, friends, 
You are not a piece of junk. You are not a piece of garbage, a piece of trash. You say, I feel like that the way he treats me sometimes. No. You're a daughter, a son. He loved you more than he loved himself. But if he and his wisdom are allow, is allowing you to go through difficult times, remember, it's for your good. And you'll look back and be able to praise him for it. Praise be to God. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts tonight, Father. Minister to us your grace, your mercy, your strength, O oh God. Help us, I pray, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Open our understanding a little clearer tonight, God. I don't think there's probably a person here tonight that doesn't believe these quotes they've heard. But Lord, we need it more real. Many times in our own walk, we sure don't feel like we're more, worth more than your blood. Our failures, our humanity sometimes may lead us to the place that we feel worthless. We just feel worthless. Lord, we know how value is. A person might find a, a sofa at an old antique store and they walk in there and say, wow, I like that. That is, that is really unique. It's got $95 on it. And they buy it and somebody else say, boy, you got burn up. But they decide, you know what, after I bought that, I ain't got room for it. So they put it on Craigslist or in the newspaper for sale and somebody comes and look at it. That person walks into their house and as soon as they look at it, they know what it is. It is one made by John Herter. Sure enough, they turn it up and they look. And there's the hand carving by John Herter. By the knowledge of knowing what that sofa is worth, it jumped from $95 to $15,000 to $25,000 to $30,000 because someone knew what they had. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us. We give away our time of prayer and fellowship and reading the Word sometimes for such stupid, frivolous stuff just to spend a little extra time on our iPad or our computer. Forgive us, Lord. And if we'd prayed five minutes longer instead of going to that computer, the answer to our prayer that we'd been praying for for six months might have come if we'd have stayed a few minutes longer. But instead, we were so anxious to get on eBay or get here or there or there. Help us, Father. Thank you for your forgiveness to us, Lord Jesus. It's no marvel that I love you. The marvel is how you love me. Nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. I thank you, my husband. There was only one of us that could leave out of the sea of humanity. There was one plank, as it were. You joined the shipwreck of humanity yourself. And you were bobbing up and down in the recklessness of sin all around you. You'd never done anything wrong. But your life 
was engulfed with it all around you everywhere. You left praises to hear cursings. You left adoration of angels to hear names like Beelzebub and liar and Samaritan and devil. You had to deal with the nonsense of humans. But instead of taking the plank and leaving out of here and leaving me, you threw me the plank and went down into the depths of the sea. Little, 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 little. And you drowned in death and went down into the lowest pits of hell. Hallelujah. You went to hell, Lord Jesus, so I don't have to. And you threw me the plank and saved me. Lord God, you've been throwing them to me ever since. I thank you for it, Lord. Lord Jesus, but what can I do for you now? Take me, mold me, shape me. Help me not to be an unthankful, ungrateful Laodicean. But let me take what you've given me and share it with others. Let me take what you put in my life and make a difference in other people's lives. May I throw others the rope of rescue, the plank of deliverance. Help me, God. We worship you tonight, Jesus. Can we sing that, Harry? Nobody loves me. I know we've been singing this song a lot lately, but it just so ministers to my heart. You love him tonight, saints, with all your heart. Aren't you glad we could be together in the house of God? Listen to the words now. Every morning, it's like a picture that you painted, you painted for me. A love letter in the sky. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Storm. Oh, yes. I could have had a really different story.
more than I can understand. I rest in your peace. It's overwhelming. Oh, the more I seek you, oh, the more I find you. Enjoy the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Let's just sing a little of that. Um, we sang it before Donnie came out. This joy that I have. Let's just sing a little more of that tonight before we go. Amen. God bless you tonight, saints. Oh, this joy that I have. You know the world didn't give it to me.
joy that I have You know the world didn't give it to me Oh, this joy that I have God bless you tonight